Hi everyone, I hope you're all well. I'm really excited because I am going to be doing my first live show <laughs> as part of the London Podcast Festival in King's Cross, London on Saturday the 16th of September at 7pm. And I have the most wonderful special guest who's going to join me and have a chat and have tea with me. And that is the wonderful, the hilarious, the divine Ben Elton. So if you'd like to come and join us and join in the fun, please go to kingsplace.co.uk and type in Tea with Twiggy to book your tickets. See you there. Hi, everybody. I hope you're well and had a wonderful summer. I'm really excited today because I've managed to track down a really old friend who I haven't seen for ages. She's an incredible actress, singer, dancer. She can do everything. She's amazing. I first saw her in New York doing an amazing play called Comic Potential, which she won many awards for. And she's now about to open in Old Friends, which is a tribute to Stephen Sondheim directed by Matthew Bourne, and it is the wonderful, talented Janie D. Janie, hello. How are you? I am so well. Thank you very much for asking. Yeah. You look great. You've had your hair cut. I've had my hair cut for, a, yes, it was last year, actually, a television uh, series you and me which just went out on itv now um Ooh, is that on now i think it's just gone out uh i think this okay. it, you can see it this thursday and next thursday it's called you and me it's on itv too and um it's a wonderful really wonderful uh three parts hour-long series uh each episode is an hour of uh really life what life is about in london with two particular individuals who meet and I'm the mother of one of those individuals uh, who goes through quite a lot we all do it's, a, it's about a family really and it's about a couple of families it's such a beautiful script uh, Jamie Davis wrote it and Russell T Davis produced it with Happy Prince uh, it was great to, to shoot it so nice great clothes so were you shooting this summer? Great clothes. <laughs> yeah. No, last, uh, this time last year we shot that and it's oh, only just God. got to ITV2. And then a bit later on I shot, uh, the, but I only did television last year, which was very exciting because I haven't done that for ages, you know. So I did uh, The Burning Girls opposite Samantha Morton. And, that, and then that was that. So I had my hair cut and then Cameron uh, wanted... Um, Oh, no, I had my hair cut because of COVID. That's right. <laughs> I just read, that's what started it off because my hair started to fall out after I'd had COVID. Oh, did it? That's yeah. really interesting because I, I had COVID n not too badly, like, nine, what, 2022 I got it. Right. But I'd had all my shots and boosters mm. and I got it and I was – poorly for a couple of days and then it was just like a bad cold but last christmas that would be mm. christmas 2022 i got that flu oh dear and that was much much worse i was in bed for four weeks oh i dear. missed christmas <laughs> oh so many people did last year i remember I know, this but it, it was back. not yeah oh, loads of people mm. had it. and my hair it didn't 
I mean, it wasn't coming out in clumps, but it was coming out lots of hair. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I had mine cut a bit afterwards, and it's slowly cut. I've got little tufts now that are growing back. Well, <laughs> my hairdresser nice. said, go to, am I allowed to say Holland and Barrett? Anyway, yeah, of course I, you can. Yeah, uh, and get some silica, their silica, and take the silica. And it was amazing, the effect. I think my hair looks better now than it's looked for a long time. What is it? Silica, S-I-L-I-C-A. And she said, take that, have your hair cut, and what was the other thing? Oh, I took some homeopathy as well. Oh, how interesting. But isn't it interesting that an illness like COVID, like flu, can do that? I think oh. it was weird. I, when I had COVID, it really, I, it really took me out in a way that I'd never experienced before. I'd never had, like, that kind of gland pain with the no, nothing else, just headache then eventually gland pain, but not swollen. Like usually your mm. immune system responds to it. There was no response. Did you get it early? Yeah. So you hadn't had shots or anything? 21, no, no. And in fact, didn't have shots because I'd had it. I felt if I've had it and I've come through it, I don't need to steal that shot from somebody else. Anyway, going back to um, before COVID ever existed. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take you right, right back. You were born in, in Windsor, I read. Yeah, old Windsor. Lovely. Till I was four. I, very, I, I remembered little bits. I remember playing in the garden. I remember sitting on an electric fire heater. Uh, I remember, you know, things that happened when I was tiny uh, back there and waking up not finding my parents there and having to run to the next door neighbours and they just popped up the road and they left me in bed. But it was a traumatic moment, you know. But, yeah, I was old Windsor. <laughs> you didn't know that you were going to give me a, a psychotherapy session, did you, when you started this? <laughs> um, yeah, That's so what I should do, actually. <laughs> oh, definitely. This is the next step. Because psychotherapy session. You ask us to come on your programme and we're going to tell you all these things that you're going to be taught <laughs> out, you know. Yeah, but uh, my parents were absent. My mum's still alive. My dad died uh, during that COVID time. Oh, he, sorry. But he had Alzheimer's and his his life had become, you know, I knew he was, he'd had enough. He'd it was time and he died very very well and he was 88 he had a wonderful life i don't think anybody felt you they could ask for more than that can no you, really? I, I couldn't argue with it and he didn't die of covid he died of alzheimer's and dementia so you know poor darling it was it wasn't a life he was enjoying when he went and so he made that decision i think to let go i, and, I think uh, so. i think a lot of people well. did that older people yeah yeah so when you left windsor where did you go we went to Dorney Reach, which was very close to Eton. It's a little village along the Thames, a bit further along the Thames. It's where Dorney Lakes, Dorney Lakes are. You know, the Eton boys row there. and I don't know. I know Eton and I know Windsor, but I've never heard of that. Well, in the Olympics, they used the Dorney Lakes. So, you know, it's, it's quite close to Windsor. Windsor, Eton, Etonwick, Dorney, Dorney Reach, a bit further. And then Burnham, if you keep going, Taplow. Oh, I, I know Taplow. Yeah, it's very yeah. pretty all around there, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it was a very nice childhood. Yeah, we were I bet lucky. it was. And you're one of four sisters, right? I was the eldest. I am the eldest, even still. 
<laughs> yeah, you never become the youngest. Yeah. I'm the youngest, actually. Are so you? I got spoiled. How many in your family? Like Three brothers? girls. You were four girls. But my eldest sister was 15 years older than me. Wow. Which, you know, so she almost, my memories of her are from, again, four or five years old. So she was in her 20s by then. Was and that she like- used to, she was like a second mum. Yeah, I was going to say. She looked after you. And my middle sister was seven years older than me. Really? Yeah. Seven years older. So did you get on being that far apart? Did you find that you they could still relate? Me. I was like the baby. I got so spoiled by my mum, my dad, Aww. my sisters. Yeah, I was lucky, really. No, there was, And when the whole thing happened to me, you know, they there was no jealousy. That I, You know, because I was like their baby sister. I bet they were thrilled to bits, weren't they? Yeah, they've been amazing. Because sometimes mm. you read of families when something like that happens to one that there can be, you know, yeah, 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 disruptions or jealousy. But I never have you ever experienced that? Because I mean, you, you're quite well. Amazing. I think when we were little, we all did it, so there was no kind of jealousy because we were all we were all singing and dancing at the Joan Selly School of Dancing in Burnham. Oh, Brilliant. You all and, went there. Uh, we all went. And my mum, bless her, I don't know how she did it, on the bus sometimes, you know. It was, <laughs> and I remember doing a ballet class. I was getting quite good at that point and looking, turning around, and my youngest sister, Emma, was doing spring points in the corner to try and catch <laughs> everybody's attention. And she then ended up going to the Royal Ballet School. Oh, really? She became very good, yeah. And she now still dances. She dances in Berlin with a company called Dance On for people over 40 who still want to dance but are getting older. So they've How formed brilliant. this company and it's so brilliant. And do they do ballet or? They are contemporary. So Emma Emma was ballet and then she joined Kohlberg in uh, the Kohlberg company. In fact, her new company, Dance On, are coming to Sadler's Wells in April. So I'm very excited to see them again. We all went off to Berlin to see them because they were doing a new choreography. It's lovely to have sisters who understand the arts. My, my middle two sisters have become healers, but they use movement and massage and they're both sort of incredibly talented well, don't you think that the form of dance is a form of healing anyway oh absolutely. i mean I, I think ballet often takes it to the extreme and yes i would say ballet can tip over into if you're not careful the teachers can you know the teachers have to be very careful what they say and i know when i was at art said you know can you lose a couple of pounds please janie it's just here and they tap my bottom and then suddenly i was like oh god i'm fat you know and it especially was especially if you're a teenager that's- especially and it was actually it wasn't fat it was just 13 you know when you're 13 you start to turn into a you know an, a, a woman a woman yeah, of course. and uh, i tried to not do that and i think that's a real problem still actually i think i don't know how we're ever going to get over this problem of having to look a certain way but you know it's it's the same in the modeling world i know well what about Um, you how did you cope with that well i you know you know what i look like (laughs) i was this funny skinny kid and i actually hated being that thin because whatever you are as a teenager right yeah, you, you like want it. to be something you know, else. I was so thin. I, you know, I was, I, you know, I didn't have a figure, and I wanted a figure, and my. So legs you were, were you were eating me. normally. You weren't. Oh like, yeah, I, no. I, I, I always did, and always have to. Accept. Although, as obviously, when you hit middle age, I became much more 
Well, actually, after I had Carly in my third uh, late 20s, you become much more aware of what's good for you. Well, I did. Yeah. But in those early days, I, I ate like a horse. I'm glad to hear that. I think I think it's good to hear that too. Like you know, well, I always used to come out and say it because mm. I got blamed a lot for you know young girls getting anorexia, and I would come out and say, look, I I really do not diet. I eat everything. Yes. I'm just happened to be built like my dad because he was very, he was he he was built like kind of Fred Astaire, you know. Oh, petite yeah. yeah. More bones. So I that's think actually, I got. you know, dancing itself, just dancing, and you've danced a lot in your life, you'll know it, it is such a wonderful way to move. Yeah, absolutely. To, to, to practice with your body, your yeah. abilities, and you don't have to do everything. I mean, Claire, my sister, my second sister, teaches Nia, which is, it's What's a that? lovely, it's a new kind of movement uh, where, you know, she'll say, step forward step back step forward like a little kind of easy move forward and back but you're you're sort of walking to, to music but you do it with nice arm movements and great oh. music and and before and she'll do sort of figure of eight with the hands whilst you're doing something or she'll she'll say uh, you know breathe in the sky look up to the sky you know you do sort of stuff with the world so what's that called Nia, N-I-A, and, and she's, she's really um, <laughs> loving the fact that anybody can come to her class, even people who don't walk have come to her class and sat and done oh, it with their arms, and it still gives people a sense of satisfaction that they have. Yeah, in, and I bet it's walked. really good. It sounds like a kind of dance form of Pilates. <laughs> I do well, Pilates because I really Pilates hurt is my great. Back. Yeah, Pilates is fantastic. And have you has it helped your back? Oh my god. I yeah. was like I mean my it was a it was a terrible muscle spasm in my back and I think it was years of bad posture. And yeah. you know I did that stage show in New York my one and only where I tap danced every night for 2 years. I think tapping you know is quite jarring and I think years later it came back to haunt me and haunt me and I put my back out. And it was wow. so frightening. And I went and had tests and scans and it was nothing um, that, you know, you suddenly think it's, you know, it's something broken, but it wasn't. It was purely muscular. And I mm. went to physio for a few months and then he, my physio said, once we get you, you know, confident and up and running, you've got to start Pilates because you've got to build your car. But you oh. wouldn't have that problem because you grew up. No, no, of course I have that problem. To dance Pilates, and, no, no, Pilates was my saviour too. And oh, I think I still go. I went yesterday, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I go, go to I it go because it knits my body back together yeah. and it stops me falling out of line. Yeah. It strengthens me in the places that I need it to strengthen me. I go to Alan Herdman. Who do you go to? I go to a fabulous lady called Rachel in Chiswick. She's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And it's cha it's changed my life because... After that happened, all I thought about for a year was my back. I'd wake up and think, mm. is my back okay? Am I going to be all right? I have seen people go into Pilates lessons, you know, where you lie on the bed and do all that yeah. kind of plies and careful yeah. stuff without putting any pressure. I've seen people walk in bent double and walk out standing up again. And I, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I've been going now for eight or nine years and it's just... I mean, I have days, or if I do something, or if I lift something wrongly, like you forget sometimes, don't you? But yeah. I know what to do. 
I know how to stretch. I stretch every day and it's brilliant. It's been a revelation to me. Stretching is great. Uh, a physiotherapist in France said to me, I said, what do I do now? I'm getting a bit older. You know, what's the best thing? She said, stretching. Yeah. Stretching is absolutely the best thing you can do and strength, obviously, but stretching more. Do you remember, by the way, what? after you did my one and only in New York? You did it in London. <laughs> you came to see me in it. I and uh, I was very nervous because you'd done Why it so successfully in New York and everybody talked about you and Tommy Tune and everything. And it was it was Tim Flavin and I but you very kindly came and sa- said nice things afterwards, which was really nice. But that's not where we met, right? Did we? No. I was trying to think. We Was it when you were doing Comic Potential in New York? Yes, it was with Joey Tillinger. Which you, uh, it's still one of, I've got certain shows, as I'm sure you have, that stick in your brain forever. And you in Comic Potential in Manhattan Theatre Club, right? Yeah. You were unbelievable and quite rightly won every award there was around in New York. It was that show and Tommy's show of nine. I don't know whether you ever saw Tommy Tune's production of nine. No, I didn't. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. So that show and Comic Potential are my, uh, you know, and, and probably... Oklahoma with Hugh Jackman. Yeah. They're yeah. like the ones oh. that when you think of shows. Yes. Did you see the new Oklahoma, the latest one? Yes. What did you think? Um, <laughs> I thought it was interesting, but I, I'm a traditionalist. Right. Okay. So you didn't like them pulling yeah. around. Oh, well, you'll like yeah. old friends. I mean, I thought the performances were amazing and, you know, the music, you can't go wrong. But yeah. call me old fashioned. I, that's why I loved Hugh's uh, Oklahoma. Plus mm. Hugh Jackman singing. Oh God, you can't get He's much so better. <laughs> I remember when he walked out on stage, and I, because um, a, a friend of us called and said, "You've got to go and see this new guy in Oklahoma," because he was kind of unknown over here. I think yeah. Trevor Nunn brought him over from um, uh, Australia, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And um, she said, "You've got to see it. It's an amazing production." And there's this new guy he's unbelievable he's gorgeous and he's got the voice of an angel and we Mm. sat there Lee and I sat there and he if you remember he started singing oh what a beautiful morning off stage so you heard the voice and then he walked out and it was like oh "Oh, my goodness and I we Lee and I turned Lee my husband we turned to each other went star because he was was so obvious that he had this magical persona he he came uh, I I went to see him in that show and he gave me a beaming smile. I was sitting up in a box. I don't know how I got there. I can remember, I think somebody just said, come and sit here. Anyway, I was looking down, just loving every moment. And he turned, he looked up and he smiled at me with that gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous, shiny, you know, warmth that he has. Yeah. And uh, later I went backstage to, you know, say well done to everybody. And I was walking up the stairs and he ran up to me and knelt and took my hand and he said, I said, what? He said, I came to see you in Comic Potential in the Lake District when we were on tour in the Lake District with my wife. And and he was, he'd loved it. Well, it was an amazing piece. You know, it was an amazing play, wasn't it? But you were unbelievable. That was one of the great performances. But it was a great part. It was brilliantly written. So, you know. You turned it into a... A star role. 
You you did. You blew me away. Actually, like he blew me away in Oklahoma. There are mm, certain performances well, you see. And Mark Rylance in oh. Jerusalem. That's another performance. Yeah, oh, there are certain ones wonderful. that just yeah. kick in your brain. So you got yeah. one as well. <laughs> did you enjoy doing my one yeah. and only though? Because I loved. I mean, it, oh, it changed my life doing. Because I didn't think I could do that. Oh, but I love your voice. No, he's right. And your your voice is so gorgeous. Um, I've you. listened, obviously, to the album. And uh, you're so you. You're so you. There's nobody else that sings like you. Oh, it's really you. wonderful. Well, I love I love that kind of period and Gershwin. You can't really go wrong. Mm. And it's such a great score. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I loved every moment. The energy it takes to do something like that. I, but I often think... The roles of yeah, the younger I'd love to, people. I know, but what if you did a cabaret or one woman? <laughs> you know, actually, when when last time I saw when we did that chat in the garden, you were saying you've got to do something. Oh, you are so funny! I really think you should. <laughs> I, I think it would be lovely. I think it's very nice to hear somebody talking about their lives and yeah, then we have been singing to people. Maybe if I get brave, be very enough. nice. <laughs> Please do, please do. Uh, have you seen, um, to talk, talk of another extreme, Thelma Ruby? Have you seen her? No. Oh, my no, God. No, I don't know who so this she, is. So she was 98 this year, and she did her one-woman oh show for one night at the Pheasantry. And she turned to the audience. She talks very well. There's not an um or an ah or, you know, or I mean. She's succinct articulate she talks about her history she talks about the wars she's been through she talks about her husband she sings songs like she sang from cabaret because she was judy dench's uh, frau schneider you know she was oh, in wow. that production she's done so many things she's worked with so many wonderful people and nobody knows who the hell she is but i know her and a lot of people of course in our business know her and they go oh my god she's going to do her show and she's 98 and you watch <laughs> her and she chats away sings away all beautifully and then she says she did this night well you're probably very impressed that I'm 98 but you'll be even more impressed when you see my legs and she lifts her skirt <laughs> just slightly and shows you these beautiful legs and it's so <laughs> encouraging it's so life-affirming that is oh I feel like a young wi I feel like a young whippersnapper next quite time. <laughs> yeah exactly but no, um, it's a wonderful anyway thing. I want I've wanted to ask you so many I've got so many lists of questions was it you who wanted to go to a kind of theatrical school? You went to Arts Ed, right? Or was it your mum who kind of... It was, it was a, no, no, my mum, oh, my mum is the opposite to all that. She, she, she followed me around. I was running to the classes and she'd sort of help. And sometimes I'd phone up the neighbours and say, can you take me? So you knew at a very young age you wanted to sing and dance and... I used to lie in bed thinking, how do I get from here in Dorney Reach... <laughs> I remember looking at the bunk bed above me and looking at the, you know, the, the wires on the bunk bed and thinking, what's the way to get to London? How do you get to London? And how do you get to meet Nureyev? Well, amazing, because the power of thought is something I think it has more power than we realised. Because very soon after that, somebody in the playground, a playground attendant, Sadly came over to me and she said, I've been watching you dance in the playground. This is my primary school. And she said, I'd, I'd like to give you a ballet class. She said, I'm a ballet teacher. Her name was Belinda Wright. And she said, my daughter is Teresa Wright and she's now at the arts educational schools. And I think you might want to go there. 
And I just listened to this thinking, oh my God, how is this happening? It was so divine intervention, you know. She gave me the ballet class and she said, yes, you need to, you need to audition for Arts Educational School. She took me to see the show. I saw their lovely theater. This was when it was in Golden Lane in the Barbican. And I went home full of it. And my mum and dad were so thrilled for me. All they had to do was find the money. So we did everything we could. I went out to work. I was 13, you know, I went out and got a job. They got jobs more than they could. And I mean, we were all filling the kitty, you know, to go to Arts Ed. And then I got a grant as well. And I, and then my mum said to my dad, you know, if Janie goes, we have to send them all there. It's not fair just sending Janie. And he, I, I heard them rowing about it, you know, but she, she obviously touched a nerve because he managed bless him and uh. her to send us all there um trudy copped out trudy was the third one she said i'm misbehaving at art said so you need to send me to a convent and i want to go to brigidine convent and then we heard she told us how naughty she was at brigidine as well she was always naughty she's the funniest <laughs> person i know she makes everybody laugh and she really should have been the actress i mean she's a Anyway, she's a wonderful cranial sacro therapist now, so that's good. But uh, she she did that, so she saved them a little bit of money. And then Emma got into the Royal, and that was a whole new thing, and they got a grant for her. So, you know, eventually it worked. So you really are the four theatrical. Have you ever done anything together, the four of you? Yes. Or three of you? Or uh, of you? Yes. <laughs> when I was 18, it was the year of the disabled, and the four of us put on a show in the Maidenhead Town Hall. Aww. And we have got somebody's got a video of it somewhere. We couldn't find it, but it was wonderful. We sang things from Fame, and we sang things from Godspell, and we made quite a bit of money for that year of disabled. And, and we, I, th- I suppose we. We all empathised as well and realised how lucky we were to be able to dance and be fit. And so we've all kept going as dancers one way or another, you know, um, professionally or not professionally, we've kept going as dancers. You certainly, you've, I mean, I knew a lot before I met, I did my research and I went into your website and everything. You've done so much, so many amazing things. I knew quite a lot of it, but I didn't know all of it. The amazing one was you toured Asia and Russia with Midsummer Night's Dream. How long were you away? Yes, that was well. I before I started, I said, "Hold on, how long is that?" It is. It's first is. Uh, I think the first bit was seven weeks, then a two-week break, and then another three weeks. So it was eleven in. It was. It must have been eight weeks and then three. Anyway, it was eleven weeks in total, and I said, "Look, I can't leave my." kids for that long can i take somebody with me say you had babies did you how old were they well tilda who's now oliver um non-binary was starting um cambridge at that time and i wasn't there for them when they started cambridge which is something i regret terribly but we talked about it and i said i just don't think i'm ever going to have this chance to see china and russia ever again i've just got a feeling it's oh, it's going to be a amazing. one-off you know and uh, they said to me, you, you should do it. Uh, I'll be all right. And then, yeah, they, they actually did have a few problems at Cambridge, but they got over them. We all, you know, they're absolutely amazing, amazing. And Alfie um, came out and he spent some time with me in China and uh, Singapore and Hong Kong when they had the yellow umbrella brigade. So he saw a lot. Yeah, it was great. And, and when I was back home, you know, I, I 
went and made a lot of fuss of, of Matilda, uh, Oliver. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard, isn't it? It's a balancing act because, you know, on the one hand, you go playing Titania on the same stage in Russia that The Seagull was first premiered, Chekhov. To play Titania on that stage was, when I did it, it was a real life moment. I and bet. we felt the pressure to be good because the Russians know what they're doing. They have as much history, if not more, in drama and ballet and opera as we do. Yeah, Lee, Lee did old times in Moscow and he, he was oh, he was nervous. Did they love I mean, it? it? They loved it, yeah, absolutely. But he was so nervous. They all were. It was Lee and Julie Christie and Harriet Walter. Oh, was, my God, what a cast. But I went out, actually, because I wasn't going to miss that. And I sat in the audience and, no. yeah, they loved it. Didn't And aren't they lovely? And Pinter's quite difficult. Well, I think Pinter, for the Russians, they would be so interested yeah. in his writing, in the performance, in the writing. You That's know, they're right. very critical, but they're also very interested. And I felt that. I felt that mm. attention. Mm-hmm. They were attentive. They didn't laugh in the first half. We all went back. So we'd all our game. We'd raised our game tenfold, you know, a hundredfold, and we came off going, "Oh shit, what what's going on?" Second <laughs> act, oh my god, it's like a different situation. At the end, they stood up and they shouted "Spasiba" and cried. And this was Aww. common that they would listen in the first half, and then they would yep. be relaxed and funny and, and laughing in the second half. But they would put you—you know—they put you into a state of you had to work and prove yourself. What an amazing experience! Now, you're talking to me at this moment from a dressing room in a theatre because you're about to open in Old Friends. And this is, is it a concert or is it a kind of play with songs? What I know it's quite a few people performing Sondheim, right? Yes. I mean, we, we first did it last year when Stephen died. It had to be done. It You know, when he when he passed on, everybody immediately said, we have to mark this moment because we were all very close by then to him, all the people that were involved, because they'd uh-huh. either done a film with him or they'd done a show with him. or And he always used to come over and be part of that process, you know. So Follies, he was, when I did Follies, he was very much there for a lot of it. And even the second time we did it back at the National with a slightly different cast, Joe Riding joined in place of Imelda and, and he came back again, you know. And, and I remember he must have known something because he said on his birthday, uh, we got him a jumper. And he said, join us, come and join us, come and join me, come and sit near me. I'm going to tell some stories. Well, he'd never done that before. And we just sat and drank and listened to stories and laughed a lot. And that's my last memory of being with Stephen Sondheim. And, you know, he told us about West Side Story and what it's like writing that. And he told us God. stories of, you know, Elaine Stritch when he was working with her and uh, how he came about writing Merrily We Roll Along. And he told us lots of things and I can't remember everything, but it was so precious to be with him. And then so when, you know, one was thinking even then, gosh, you know, he's, he's 90 
now what's how long are we going to have this precious moment yeah. you know how long and this might be it and it was it um mm. and so when he passed on everybody immediately came together it was a lovely feeling of solidarity with every performer that was part and, and even people in the audience who weren't in the concert felt as important because we just had to be together to mark that moment so nobody expected that cameron would do what he's done which is say this is a great show Let's do it eight times a week. So this is uh, what we have to look at because eight times a week of doing what we did for one night is very different. And so what yeah. we've got to do is make it equally exciting. But it has to, uh, for me, it has to also have a thought of old friends in it. So it is about Steve's work. It's all Stephen Sondheim's work. And we do it to the best of our ability. And we all work with each other. It's a, a real ensemble feel. It's, it's very special to work like that with your friends you know a lot of people in it are my old friends and you're in rehearsal now right we are still rehearsing but we're we're getting ready we're in the theater now so we're rehearsing on stage now and uh you know bernadette peters has been here for three weeks and leia salonga has been here for three weeks from new york and i will do you know them both i i know i know bernadette not ever so well but i know her from new york and um she's lovely She's really lovely, yes. Yeah. So she's she's great laugh, you know, and she mucks in, yeah. but she's she then will stand and sing something like you've never heard it sung before. It's just her mm. way. Um, Wonderful. And, this, and and Leia's voice is just it's just a remarkable voice. And is it is it because there's quite a lot of you in it, isn't there? So do you get two or three songs each, or one song, or? So Gavin Lee, who I did The Boyfriend with for the Queen, he's back from America. He's been doing loads of things over there and he sings Could I Leave You, which I sang in Follies. But he does it in a very different way. And uh, then there's Jason Pennycook, who was really fantastic in Hamilton, and he's singing a couple of songs, One, both very funny. But, but no, one of them is very funny, uh, God, Why Don't You Love Me Blues. And the first time he sings, I won't tell you what everybody's doing because it's so awful. No, to no, talk, no. You know. But it's an amazing cast, isn't it? It's amazing cast and, and amazing uh, sort of spirit. Do you have a favourite sometimes song? Because I do. Oh, I find it difficult to pick one. What's your favourite? Losing my mind. Oh. Years and years and years ago, in the early seventies, I did a, I had a little variety TV show, a weekly show, and I did that song. Oh, wow, did you? And I, it's always oh. stuck in my mind. It's such a beautiful oh. song. The, the lyrics just break your heart, don't they? It's a masterpiece. So. It's a masterpiece. I remember just having a look at it years ago and thinking, I don't don't know if I'll ever be able to sing that because it's quite a hard song to sing. I think. Yeah, but I think if you, if, well, it's the way I always approach any songs is I sing about the lyric and the tune kind yeah, of yeah. takes care of itself. I think if you get into the lyrics, especially a song like that, I mean, when you, when you yeah. did Follies, which you were brilliant in again, I mean, you, you, didn't you win it? You, I mean, you've had so many awards. <laughs> I know you were nominated for that I, amazing. I was nominated. Yes, I was. I, I mean, it was it was an incredible. Uh, the whole you know process was wonderful. It was very nice. That was beautiful show. Dominic Cook, right? Dominic Cook, who is a, a great you know dramatist as well as a good director and a, an artistic director of the Royal Court for many years. But he was so responsible for getting new plays up and running and out there. So many that we love today. Uh, and he knew how to take the piece that was Follies and look at it 
as a serious drama before we put the numbers in. And I think, you know, there are so many numbers and the numbers are part of the drama. And I think he did something rather magical that talked about, it talked about being a performer, but it also talked about being a human being in a relationship, uh, which is surprising. I didn't realise Follies was about relationships in the way that he made it. And I didn't realise it was going to be about the world and politics like he sort of made it as well, which, you know, saw a crumbling world around them, but they keep walking through. I saw the original Follies in New York. It must have been what? Very early 70s, late 60s. The original. Wow. On Broadway. Lucky you. I mean, I... With Alexis... uh, Yeah, Alexis Smith and... Wasn't it Elaine Stritch in it? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I mean, it's we're talking a long time. It must have been, what, early 70s? I must have been visiting there or something. I can't quite remember, but I remember going. How long did you live in New York for? I've only lived in New York when I did My One and Only, because obviously (laughs) doing eight shows a week, you live there. Um, So I lived there in the, that would have been in the the early, we opened in 83 and I lived there for two years. But I've lived in California a couple of times in my life, because, you know, my first husband was American, so we lived there. And then Lee and I lived there. I did an American sitcom for a couple of years. We lived there then. Did you? So... Yeah. Oh, amazing. We've done our LA thing. <laughs> yeah. Did you like it, LA? Did you enjoy it? Uh, I, lo- I love New York better. You know, I'm a city guy. I love London. I, was, I grew up in London. Yeah. But LA is a bit too spread out for me. I love being there when I was working because they really look after you and I love the work. Um, but New York is exciting, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's a great city. I remember, uh, sorry, I... In- I interrupted you about Follies. Just what did you feel about the Follies, the original? I just remember, you know, thinking, I was very young. I was in my early 20s. I mean, I just remember thinking what an amazing show. And and it was beautifully staged and the costumes, I remember, were extraordinary. Mm. But I I can't remember much more than that because we are talking (laughs) 50 years ago. (laughs) Scary. <laughs> scary. Yeah, and you still look so great. My God, it's amazing. Well, I don't know about that, but, <laughs> but I remember going back to LA. I remember I was taken out after Comic Potential to do some pilots and things, and i i got a I got a pilot of a new Saturday Night Live. It, it didn't work, unfortunately. But whilst I was out there, I was, I was given a Jaguar to drive with a wooden interior (laughs) and I was driving up you know Sunset Boulevard with the great big harvest moon and passing the Hollywood (laughs) Bowl and thinking wow you're actually here you know but I went back to the Hollywood Bowl to play Cleopatra with it was amazing Anthony and Cleopatra with the orchestra playing all the music underneath that they'd done that Schmidt had had done for the film or something and so uh that was an absolute surprise because I remember thinking, oh, the Hollywood Bowl, I'll never be there. That'll never be a place that I'll do, you know. But then I was there because it was the Globe. <laughs> oh. The good old Globe. My God, Shakespeare's Globe has been so good to me. God, you, your career has been extraordinary because... Yeah, I mean, you've you've done all the musical parts and you've done the big dramatic roles. Did you did you always think you'd just do kind of musical things, or no, did you I always was very wanted to sure. do? 
I was very sure that I wanted to be an actress because when I couldn't dance anymore, I would still be able to act. I wanted it to be a lifetime of work, not not necessarily work, doing it, performing. You know, it wasn't yeah. ever about the money for me. It was always about, I just love theatre. I just love finding a part, getting into it. I love people. I love the, the society that it brings with it, you know, the cup of tea, yeah. the chat. Yeah, all talking about that. What tea are you drinking? <laughs> I forgot we're talking about so many things. Do you, do you, are you a tea drinker or not? Oh, yes. I mean, my mum puts the kettle on about five to six times a day because it's always, do you fancy a cup of tea? Do you fancy a cup of tea? You know, we'd be talking about something. She goes on, I go on, and then she'll say, do you fancy a cup of tea? I say, well, have a cup of tea and we'll talk a bit more. And then we'll do something like go shopping or whatever she needs to do. And then it'll be, oh, should we have a cup of tea? And then if I say, if I'm upset about something, it's always have a cup of tea and I'll put a spoonful of sugar in it. So the, the <laughs> cup of tea with a spoonful of sugar, Walter Bobby, bless him we were doing a show together he came over he's the guy who did chicago you know but he's a great actor as well he's very good at telling stories i know i know walter very well just for everyone who doesn't know he's a wonderful director but of chicago he's sort of responsible for doing the new chicago and yeah. he was doing vanya and sandra and masher and spike this really great play i was doing here um and halfway through rehearsals he left one day and he came back and he said help help my mother has just died so I sat him down, we all came, we held him and we, he cried and it was Aww. wonderful. You see, this is what I mean. Like he wasn't alone yeah. for that moment because he was with us. And yeah, it's like it's a, a family, well, the theatre especially, it's family. Yeah, it becomes For the duration of the play, yeah. they're your family and a, exactly. a second family, not your real family. Of course, your real family is very important. So we all held him. And then I heard myself say, I think I need to make you a cup of tea with a spoonful of sugar. He said, yeah. why is that? I said, because my mum says that helps. And then after he'd had it, we were talking a bit about his mum. He sort of knew it would have to happen soon because she was getting really old. She was 96, 97, something like that. And he finished his tea. We were chatting a bit more. And he said, can I have another cup of mummy's tea? <laughs> I said, of course oh, we can. So I made him another one with the sugar in, you know, oh, and and it's, it, it became a thing that we do now. You know, when I see him, let's have a cup. Oh, of he's such a lovely man, isn't he? Oh, he's adorable. He's a very good artist. I wish I'd have worked with him. We we nearly we nearly did something, and it, it kind of didn't come together. But I would have loved to have worked with him. He's so lovely. Oh, such is. a sweet he's man. Such a laugh. Sweet and very wise. Anyway, I know you're deep in rehearsal and I know you've got to join your fellow thesps. It's photographs. Oh, photographs. Go and put your, get your hair done and put your makeup yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the light. Get uh, yeah, the okay. light. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Get the light. Okay. I'll do that. And not too much makeup, do you think? Not too much makeup. It depends. Again, it depends on, if he's got good lighting, you're, you're okay, whatever. Anyway, so... Everyone should go and see Old Friends, and I'm going to come and see it. Because you're running till when? I'm running till I'm I'm running. Uh, well, we are running. Uh, I think we're booking till till January. I think that's it. Oh um, gosh! And uh, yeah, it's it's selling very well. So I think we might. Oh, I'm sure. Do that. Uh, I I just wanted to mention to you, Twigs, that I started the London Climate Change Festival in 2000. And 19 just just before the covid stopped it but during the covid i 
I produced, I've started to produce some TV and I produced a TV for Sky Arts. It was called Song for Nature. And I'm going to be producing, I produced also Wayne Sleep's birthday, 75th birthday at the Royal Opera House. And Aww. I'm producing a documentary about him and I'm producing a lot more stuff. I, I really love it. How lovely, um, good I'm for really you. I'm really interested in my friends and I want to make programmes about them. So I might ask you to do a programme soon. Um, <laughs> but I, I, what I really wanted to tell you about was the beautiful world cabarets, which uh, I've done a couple of them. And during the next three months... We're going to produce people doing cabarets about what a beautiful world it is. So instead of going, it's so bad, the temperature's rising, da 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 da. I think what helps is, in my mind anyway, is to remember how beautiful nature is, to celebrate it, and to get back to it, so that we are thinking about it in a very positive way and caring way. Well, like, don't you think? Don't you think COVID made people think about it to get back to kind I, of? I, I think it, it did, did for me. many of us. but I When everything stopped, when the aeroplane stopped, the car stopped. Yeah. It was the best thing we could have done for nature. For the planet. It was the best thing Absolutely. for the planet. But unfortunately, we raced right back. Yeah. I know. That's it. So I know. That, that, you know. That's the problem. <laughs> I know. But, but that's this is brilliant. good because that's... you haven't come to it, – it, it's good. And, and we're, you know, we're, we're going to make a documentary on the – the journey of waste with comedians doing sort of the journey. So you find out what happens when you throw a cup away, a plastic, a piece of plastic away, where mm. it actually goes and how it gets and what happens to it. You know, I mean, there are loads of people talking about it, but I just think if we're always focusing and always talking and getting Absolutely, people together and doing different things, we can, we can make a difference, you know. My granddaughter's eight and they, they obviously do a lot of this at school because she tells me about things and stops you know don't throw that in there and don't do this you've got to do Brilliant. that and she's eight yeah so that means that whole new generation hopefully yes are going to be on top of yes, it they're, they're, which certainly when i grew strong. up we we yeah we weren't in i grew up in the 1950s and it wasn't even on the agenda wasn't you know no. nobody even thought about it but i remember back in the 80s it was beginning to be spoken about and we just didn't really do anything, you know, and I feel very guilty about that. So I'm doing my best to make up for it. But, you know. <laughs> well, well done you. That's brilliant. Well, I'm not. It's me and lots of people. You know, it's, it's not just me. It's lots Good. of people. But it's nice to get together with a group of people. It's all yeah, but it, it's every everyone does their little thing. It all grows into one big thing, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. We yeah, and turn, turning <laughs> off simple things like turning off your your plug at the mains you know, exactly. silly little things like that that can make a bigger difference than we realise, you know. But I know. anyway, I just wanted to mention that because I, yeah, I want the beautiful world cabarets to pop up and be fun. Lovely. Thank you. And I'll probably be asking you to do one at some point. All right. <laughs> anyway, you're going to pop off to do your photographs and um, good luck with the opening of Old old Friends. And what, what theatre is it on at so everyone can... No. It's at the Gilgood Theatre. And in London. It is, I think, in London, in Shaftesbury Avenue. So right opposite Chinatown and Theatre District. Yeah, but, fabulous. Yeah. Oh, everyone go. It'll be amazing. And good luck with the opening. And that's September, right? Yeah. 
you're being directed in Old Friends by the wonderful Matthew Bourne, correct? Well, Matthew Bourne is like a hero. And if I'm really honest, one of the reasons I really wanted to do this second go was he was actually going to direct it completely. Maria can't be here. She's in New York. And so he was around actually last time, but he's really directing us now. And, and he's I've just seen his Romeo and Juliet at Sadler's Wells. And it does something like you said, Swan Lake, the old male Swan Lake, which just grasped our hearts and made us understand more than we'd ever understood before about all sorts of things. Well, I was never a huge, huge ballet fan. I mean, I th- I find it amazing that people can do that with their bodies. and their, But I, apart from the very famous ballets, I found it quite difficult to sit through a long, long battle until I went to Matthew's Swan Lake and it was like, he turned it into this amazing, amazing, like musical show. It was incredible. Wasn't well, also it? he he took in our royalty and he used the backdrop of Buckingham Palace and the pe- the right. Prince of Swan Lake became a prince we might know, and all that <laughs> stuff. I thought that was so clever to make it very mm. current and make you understand uh, somebody trapped in a place that they didn't ask to be in. And uh, then this Romeo and Juliet, he's done something incredible with. I won't tell you tell you because it's it's worth not knowing because it's such a great idea. And with old friends, he's working his magic. And I'm just very, very grateful that he's here. Well, say hi, give him my, my love. I certainly will, Twiggy, I certainly will. He's a sweet man and a very talented man. I'm going to let you go. You've got to go off to work. Go, go, go. Okay, lots of love. Love you God lots. Bless. Bye. Bye. Oh, it was so lovely to catch up with Janie. We we haven't seen each other, you know, mainly because of that horrible pandemic that went through the world. And it was lovely to catch up. And I, ca- I can't wait to go and see old friends. So I'm sure tickets are still available, although it's selling very well. That's old friends at the Gilgood in Shaftesbury Avenue. And Janie is one of many wonderful performers performing Sondheim, so get your tickets. Bye. If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. just heard a stripped media production.